Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And friends, here we are once more into the breach. There's... Yes, it's uh, Scott and Lindy's anniversary. Happy anniversary, Scott and Lindy. And it might be the anniversary of Scott Pruitt's firing. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. But I mean, you know, you know, he's done enough damage. We didn't talk about this in the Facebook Live yet, but like, no. I think... What's interesting, Donnie Deutsch, who I always think is an interesting guy, you know, New York sort of PR guy, said on Nicole Walsh, you know what? I've never been in public service, but if I was honored to be, you know, somebody appointed me something, the first thing I would do is figure out what I can and can't do. And not even just morality. That's important, I guess. But like, I mean, morality, but just so I can do my job and don't get fired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they showed at the beginning of that, I watched that too, at the beginning of that segment, they showed that episode from Seinfeld. When George gets fired for having sex with the cleaning lady. Is that frowned upon? Because I've worked in lots of offices, and that kind of thing went on all the time. (laughs) Is that wrong? Is that wrong? Now that I know that that's wrong, yeah. So, anyway. But my lovely wife, Lindy, brought up a point last night to me as I was ranting about this. And I think she's on something. Like, it's not as though I would guess. So He was the attorney general, right, of Oklahoma? Oklahoma. (laughs) Right. It's, It's not as though... I would guess, given what's happened, right? This stuff started like a couple, like last year. Like, oh my gosh, now I'm in the I'm in the federal level. Let's have some fun. I I, I would guess you that this has happened. I, I am sure oil and gas uh, lobby money has been flowing into his pockets for a long, well, yeah. long. Remember time. that first story? That story when he was trying to get confirmed, where they just like sent over a letter to the EPA, and he just took the letter where like verbatim just cut and put his letterhead on it just cut and pasted it and yeah. put his letterhead on it and by the way this person who in an in a administration full of graph stands out among the rest of them uh for a while earlier this week donald trump thought about making him attorney general <laughs> <laughs> oh my by the way gosh. can i just say for those people who watch us and listen who are especially those who are we get a lot of questions about podcasting and I just broke a cardinal rule. Don't touch your mic when recording. So that little move I made, it made some noise. That you should not do that. All right. Don't touch the mic. That's what my mom always said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Among other things. Among other things. I talked to your parents the other night. You did. You, you were, were a little you were like kind of you thought I was like anticlimactic. Like, well, you were yeah, I'm out of by the way. Um I, I don't know what it is, but you put Scott in a car, he becomes a different person. What do you, what? I don't know. You just, you weren't, I thought, oh, well, it'd be nice. So I have some company up to New Brunswick. We did a lecture together and you just, you don't talk as much. No, I don't. I don't. You just go, you're playing on your phone. And then the thing about it is, all right. I said, that's why we stop again to drink or something afterwards. No, I, I, I got to get home. I don't have time and I've got to get home. Well, okay. I'll get gas. And he disappears for a half an hour. Well, that's because I was at the Roy Rogers trying to get a sandwich, and my credit card wasn't working in their things. And then I went to the other thing, and the, the other guy knew enough to just tell me to punch my card number in on the thing. But like, it was just like I, I felt like I was that guy. Like I was that. There were four. There was no line. There's no one at Roy Rogers, right? I have a problem with the credit card machine. All of a sudden, five people are hangry behind wait, wait, me. You, did, you didn't get me a sandwich? You didn't offer you didn't me ask, a sandwich? You know, I would have gotten you something. You didn't. You go, get out. I got to go get a sandwich. Go ahead. You were going. You make your needs known. If you just said, it text me, hey, I want a sandwich too, were, I would have got You were there. You were eating it. And you said, it's pretty good. You were talking about how good it was. You could have got yeah, I would have got you something. I, well, you were moved, make your needs known. You were too quick, and then you were too slow. It was... I, it was a weird experience. I, I, I thought, well, you were, you were gone for a long time. I, I was hungry. Like, I'd worked out. Right before that, a pretty what? intense workout, and then like before class, and we talked, which it's I a guess weird time. lectured. It's at. a weird time. 
Yeah, it is weird because you can't really eat before. No, and you, it's although I've got one student who eats the whole way during <laughs> class. <laughs> By the way, I had a great time. I had a good time too. You did a great job. Yeah, it was fun. You did a great job. Yeah, no, we had fun. We yeah, had a good it was time. fun. But yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, I am more animated with Lindy in the car. Well, I, I'm, I'm I actually. Would hope so. I'm I would a little hope more. So. I'm a little more like my. Car. Yeah, I, it's. Yeah. <laughs> You were killing me in the ride up with the seventies folk thing. It got you liked better. It. You liked I did it. like it, but it was too much of it. It was too much. Well, then I switched over to uh, Outlaw Country. You didn't like? Yeah, that? that was good. I like that. I'm sorry, I didn't. We didn't have all Billy Joel. All we the could way. have listened to some Stern. Oh, I'm I'm good. I was good. I told you you could listen to whatever you wanted to. That's true. I, this is maybe the reason that you didn't say that. I said it in my head. So. Oh yeah, you didn't say it. I didn't feel at liberty. You, I looked over at you. Can you read that? Uh, no. Oh, all right. Well, no. If one person says there's a communication problem in the relationship, there's a communication problem <laughs> in the relationship. All right. So let's get on to um, our topic du jour. So this is something that I post on Twitter that I found uh, moving and interesting. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's not something I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I, it's terrifying to think what more animated might look like, Reynolds. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she, she's – but they – they're happily married, celebrating four years. Lindy is, I don't. I generally like don't like road trips with people in the car, other than Lindy. I like. I really like long drives with her. But I, I in general, I'd rather do a long drive myself. Now you told me you don't. You told me an hour would be too far to drive to teach. Yeah, because the class went really well, and somebody said we should have an elective on we Christian talk, yeah, philosophy. We talk, we talked and, about that, and you and I could easily do that. Like, yes, we could. And I thought about, it, and I'm not like the jury's not out, but like. It's almost an hour. And like, I thought, like, if it was 15 minutes away, I'd sign on immediately. But I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. Well, after driving with you for 15 minutes, I'm having second thoughts about it. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I, but we come, I could come up with like car activities for you. We could have like, I would just take the train. I could have, <laughs> I would take the train. We could have a little snack. I would take the train. I could have snacks. We could play I, I Spy. I would take the train. Uh, I would take the train, definitely. But, uh, I could do I Spy. I could do. Um, I could do lots of different things. Somebody yeah. says, oh, no, Bill, people can't read your mind. Well, they need to work harder at it. I think that's so, all That's I, from the facer. Thanks, AJ. It's a hard thing to read his mind. It's a, No, I mean, you got to make your needs known. <laughs> okay. All right. Can we, I want to go out and I want to go out in the woods and bang drums now with you, which moves us back to our topic. It's so like male. It's the male coming back to the maleness, isn't he? He's the guy. He's the, I'm actually moving closer to doing this. Suggesting this elective now during this conversation because I'm it was very fun. I mean, it was I, fun. We worked well together, it we worked well together. I asked you perceptive questions always. Yeah, I like the snack machine because <laughs> it takes credit cards. That's where I knew my credit card is fine because the credit card it's the only snack machine I've ever seen that takes credit cards. And this thing at the rest stop, their things couldn't read my credit card. I have one of those new ones where the numbers are on the back. I have one of those like that too that I have trouble with. That's high security. All right, we've rambled a lot. Well, yeah, mostly but that's, it was. It's Friday. Friday is a kind Friday. of Friday. We're rambling guys. Rambling, rambling. Yeah, we guys. are rambling guys. So here we go. Lord, this, I was born a rambling. A rambling man. Yeah. I love that song. It's a great song. Maybe that could be our opening song for this. So this was in the London Times, and it, this is by Jordan Peterson, who is the rage right now. I mean, it's kind of a yes, yes, yes. I did it again. I touched my mic, but. <sighs> Largely because I think I mean he's one of those people that's that is he's looked at as a contrarian or something he's not and he's also looked at as more conservative than he is he's just I think but he's a, a really real deal clinical psychologist who 
is also just a kind of he's offering a contrary a contrary not a contrarian but a contrary voice yeah right and and you know one of the things that he is has been really taken a task for is that Canada made this law about was trying to say something about transgender oh. language and he just refused and he said not because of anything about transgender i i just i know what happens when the state tells you what language you have to use and it, and it, it's bad it's it's kind it's of like when you when you take a, an army and post them on a you know internally in your country what that's is bad la- what you, is the latin term for that yeah you call when you, call, you, you i had to google it i still didn't well, you, learn. you told me the other day what the latin term was yeah usually don't want to have your military in your Generally, particularly for no reason. So, but at any rate, so no, I think you're right. So, go on about the transgender language. It's comus something. Yeah, but basically, you can't have the military doing police work. So, so like he basically was, he's he his you know he bristles at some politically correct sacred cows, and for that you know well, and also they're not they're 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 not sacred cows. I mean, I think these kind of discussions, you don't just get to pronounce what the new way is. You have to, there has to be a time of discussion, a time of, I mean, new norms should have an opportunity to go back and forth. And I think that's sometimes when we feel things are imposed from without, I mean. It's like law gospel. Oh, very good. There you go. I like that. So this is, you know, the title of this article in the London Times, are you laughing? Did you have to turn around and laugh? I'm good. (laughs) Where, where, this is very interesting today. So the title of this in the London Times is Jordan Peterson, the best-selling author and clinical psychologist on why there's still power in the Easter story. That's uh, a long time. <laughs> yeah. It is a, and, and, you know, again, I I think he believes in God, I think. He he teaches, he does, like, lectures on the Bible, and he's a fan, although he's ambivalent on, you know, if, if he if he could believe in the resurrection of Christ and stuff like that. Although he's doesn't dis, he's not dismissive of it. He's just... I think um, he would he would make a wonderful 18th century. I wasn't mocking. By the way, from Facebook Live, we just got Bill mocking. I was my not mockingbird. mocking. No, he's. I love it. I love it. <laughs> this is the quintessential. Uh, I mean, by the way, by the way, episode. Mockingbird does not have the patent on law and gospel. No. By the way. <laughs> and by the way, I'm interviewing Mark Maddox tomorrow, and I'm reading his book on Luther on aesthetics. And man, I mean. Uh, That's a subtle book. It's you know, like it's a very uh, yeah. Matter of fact, you know, you talk to me about different books every day, and my head spins from all the people you talk about. This is one I want to have. This is one I want to. Yeah, no, uh, it sounds yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, this is how Peterson opens this up. Um, Peterson says it's trendy to be cynical and dismiss religion, but Christ's death forces us to take a good hard look at ourselves. Easter Sunday is the appropriate time to be considering both the impossible claim of the bodily resurrection of one man and the hypothetically cosmic and world-redeeming significance of the event. This is true despite the fact that no finite conceptual account of, on the, of the idea of Christ's death and rebirth can be finally formulated, even for diehard and essentially reductionist atheists of the scientific type, think Dawkins and Sam Harris. A great mystery remains. Why has this thoroughly implausible story exercised such immense impact? And he says, the story of the dying and resurrecting God is one of the oldest ideas of mankind. And he you know, talks about, you know, how in ancient things, and even Harry Potter, you know, that this is significant. Um, <laughs> like in ancient things and Harry Potter. And Harry Potter. Well, that's... Um, yeah, no, I get it. But, it, it. but it's interesting. And then this is his segue, and then we can talk about it. Just, if you face a crisis in your life brought about by a catastrophic, catastrophic failure, the new information that confronts you cannot be incorporated without the painful death 
of your previous conception and all the awful realizations thus entailed. When something new emerges to confront you, what is old and anachronistic within must burn off and die. It is very rare to learn something profound without suffering the unbearable catastrophe of dashed dreams and the soul-shaking terror of uncertainty and doubt. No, I think that's powerful. And I, you know, any way that Jung can be resurrected, I always affirm that. And that's, uh, and that's certainly he's influenced by that thinker. And I think that's... Bill believes in the bodily resurrection of Jung, or hopes for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't need the body. He keeps coming. Yeah, back. Right. yeah. If we, we don't just, need, we don't. We need, just make AI. Yeah, we don't. We don't. We don't. Need, if we could just make a Westworld he <laughs> replicate, he can't. He keeps coming back. You can't keep Jung dead. Yeah. Um, it sounds like something you wrote this week, Josh Redder. Did you? Po- was it posted? Did yes, you know? it is posted. Oh, okay, good. I didn't have a chance to read it. So, read. Is it on Mockingbird? It is. All right, read Josh Redder on Mockingbird. Oh, it's a this great week. piece. It's a great piece. What's it about? It's just about the pain of death and resurrection. So it's really well done. Right, very good. All right. So please read Josh this week. Well, read him now. Or no, wait, listen to us and then read. And then read, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, no, I think that's a powerful, you know, again, it's funny. My Easter sermon uh, kind of talked about, um, you know, it, it's um, it's not, um, we, it's more than a metaphor. It's not. It's not the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. I mean, I think that's part of, you and I both talked about the violence and the the kind of jagged edge of the mark account. But having said that, I think you know um, what is it? It's kind of uh, reminds me of. Gosh, um, I saw Satan fall. Um, the French uh, postmodern writer uh, Girard, Rene Girard. You know this idea that uh, the idea of the rising, dying, or the scapegoat. He said it was a myth and all other myths except when once it was true. And I think the same thing, too. I mean, I think the history— That's what C- convert, helped convert C.S. Lewis. He was sitting in a bar in, in a pub in England, and these two not religious scholars were talking about some, some New Testament scholarship research. And they said the dying and rising of the bread god. Turns out it looks like it, something like actually happened in the first century. I mean, like, and Lewis was like, what? And that's the thing. Like, you know, there's, there's one approach to the— sort of making sense of the faith in light of the, or as Von Balthasar says, making sense of the words in light of the word that says, well, it's completely unique and there's something. There's another that says, well, now this repetitiveness of the dying and rising is cosmic preparation yeah. for the climax of the story. Yeah, Simone Weiss says something like, too, it also could even be even more foundational. Not, it may not even be moving, you know, it may not even be um, kind of working up the story, but it may be interwoven in the proclamation of the story. You know, Simone Weil talks about a cross being found in every religion of some sort or the other. And I think that's true. I think and that's a powerful... I mean, it's not, it's really interesting that this guy, who whether we're not sure, we're, we're agnostic about his agnosticism, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's part of the power. It is part of the power of the story. And I think sometimes it helps us to listen to people... Not sometimes, often it helps us to listen to these anonymous Christians, as Bonhoeffer called. Uh, Ronner. Oh, Ronner. Ronner. Yeah, I'm sorry, Ronner. Yeah. By yeah. the way, you know, it's funny. Like, I was... Um, Jeff Stout, who's one of the best teachers, maybe the best teacher. And maybe one of the great anonymous Christians of all time. Yeah. he's. A, I was, like, introducing myself in one of his seminars. I said, what do you study? That's three of us. Like, I'm also working on Carl Bart. He's like, doesn't anyone ever just think, hey, let's work on Ronner? At at, at Princeton, when I was there, they assigned Bart for the youth ministry. Exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> which of course I never took any of them there. But uh... I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcasts, projects I've got in the works. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Sari Graham, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Blythe, David Norling, Charlotte Donlin, Barry Stewart, Larry Rule, Stephen Lipless, John Schneider, Ben Crosby, Liam O'Brien, Jim Kress, Stephen Rowe, Ben DeHart, Michael Butera, Jordan Morseberger, Josh Redder, Andrew Stravitz, and Jennifer Underwood. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the show. No, but I think this idea that sometimes we have to hear our message because, you know, that's part of even what I tried to say in my sermon Sunday. You not you need to get away from the creed and 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 though I love the creed and get away from all the sentimental hymns and all the professions of faith. Um Bill loves the creed. No one loves the creed more than Bill. He's making the creed great again. <laughs> By the way, if you haven't heard uh, Dr. Evil last from last night. Oh, gosh. It's last night on The Tonight Show. Maybe one of the funniest things I've seen for a long time. So if you didn't know Dr. Evil was working for the Trump administration, he no longer is. So listen to that. Was the DACA idea yours? <laughs> no. Even some things are too evil for me. I'm not a monster. <laughs> I'm not a monster. <laughs> but I do think— I might be evil, but I'm not a monster. Uh, but I do think we— um, Yes, thank you, Josh. Josh listens to my sermons, so thank you. And uh, yeah, this idea that we often have to hear it with fresh eyes because we can, you know, and particularly to me, the triumphalism that sometimes gets all wrapped up in Easter, and particularly, you know, we don't do the whole Holy Week. You know, most of us don't do Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, the Great Easter Vigil on Saturday. And what then is Tuesday? Easter. Terrific Tuesday, Terrible Tuesday, Ta- ta- Titanic. Ta- it's Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, there's no, there's no Tuesday or Wednesday. No, no. Easter Monday. I mean, there's no it's, Monday. No, it's Taco, Taco Tuesday. You know, Falafel Friday. No, but anyway. So I do think these voices like his helps us relook at our own faith and our own, you know, the power of the message. Because the power of the message grips us on so many different levels. And I think whatever you want to call it, the mythic or the deep, deep-seated uh, root, rootedness of us all. I think it does something about about the power of the message. I still think you know, it's the same thing true about Christmas. There's something about the incarnation and humility, or something. Even the manger draws us, in spite, in, you know, I, in spite of all of the commercialism. There's still something that draws us to that moment. I mean, you know, I've spent my whole career looking at people who I only see once a year, you know, 
in the pews. And, and me, once a year in the car. Yeah, he wants a year in the car. And the story still has the power to move, to confront, and to draw one in. I mean, that's the eternal message. I love that with verse 8, the, you know, go out and proclaim the eternal message of the good news. You know, it's a powerful story. And, yeah. And yeah. We, and we and because we believe it's a reality, it doesn't make it any less the power of the symbolic or mythical quality of it as well. I was on with the um, our friend Chris Lawson again this week with the Everyday Exiles. I think it comes out in two weeks, but um, the Echo Chamber uh, podcast. And he asked me about, he wanted to talk about Stephen Hawking and the belief in the creator God, like belief in God as a creator. And I think, well, I don't. Yeah, that's kind of up in the air whether Stephen Hawkins believed that, but go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, he he did talk about a first cause at the end of his life, and but you know, as I don't really think that's where the action is right now. I actually think the echoes or the secular parables right now are not with God, the the first person kind of creator. It's with the second and third. It's Christ and Spirit, Brene Brown or Jordan Peterson. I mean, these are where. I mean, this is. I mean, listen. I mean, this is. I, I. this is him. This is a guy who doesn't believe in the truth of the gospel. He's trying to, trying to get, you know. Right. He said, Christ is symbolically the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Embracing the process of voluntary death and rebirth that Christ embodies is synonymous with a kind of psychological development that comes from moving forward and upward despite life's horrors. Honest individual confrontation with the unknown catalyzes cultural revitalization. This is the psychological essence of Christian ritual and belief. We must identify with that part of ourselves as always stretching beyond what we currently know. It has the faith, faith to let go of old certainties so that new patterns of being can be brought into place. Imagine that acceptance of vulnerability and ignorance is a precondition for growth. Imagine that confrontation with the terrible unknown, with its paralyzing manifestations of tragedy and malevolence, is necessary to catalyze both wisdom and maturity. Imagine as well that consciousness plays some central and yet as poorly understood role in the reality of the cosmos. Yeah, he's doing Richard Rohr there better than Richard Rohr. Right, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a clear... Because Richard Rohr would be like, imagine that acceptance... I mean, that's, I mean, in some levels, that's a clearer presentation of the gospel. Yeah. So to me, you know, I, I think all truth is God's truth, and I think there's a sense about the... I mean, you know... It, I think we have to. Uh, there's a there's a part in Halleck about the need for there to be periodically faith has to die, including cultural faith has to die. And I do think you know I was talking. I don't remember where this conversation happened, but uh, recently talking about how um, what the evangelicals are doing with Trump is just mimicking what was wrong and problematic about what an earlier generation. Of liberal Protestants did. I think that was me. Was it you? Yeah, I think so. Well, we've had that conversation a lot. Well, all right, we do. We've talked about that a lot. And yet, even in the midst of scandals, in the midst of um, a lot of disinfection with, or, you know, dissatisfaction, whatever you want, disengagement, all the disses, if you would, with what's going on with church right now, you have this amazing word coming out from this person who's having a profound impact. And so that's the kind of talk that might end up leading you to Jesus. Yeah, it's a new persuasive word, quite literally. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's where I think, you know, I, I go back to sort of Luther's Heidelberg Disputation with the whole th- mm-hmm. theology of the cross versus theology of glory. And, you know, he, he includes he concludes the piece saying... But that, that was 1518. 15, second half, 1517. No, that was 15. I know, I know. <laughs> I know, this is... Uh, 
his conclusion is we are in danger in the West of abandoning our culture, of leaving our great stories to die on the altar of our inquisitiveness, cynicism, and carelessness. It's not a path that will lead where, us to where we want to be if we were conscious and careful. It is necessary for each of us to open ourselves up to the tragedy of being. It is psychologically true that we should encounter Satan in the desert, understand ourselves as the epicenter of evil, as well as the good, pick up our tragic burdens and crosses, die and renew our souls. That is the death and resurrection celebrated by Easter, and it's time for us to wake up and recognize it as such. That, my friend, is a spirituality dangerously on the road towards religion. Yeah, this guy will be a, yeah. a convert in, in, in like three years. Amen. Well, maybe the rest of us can continue to be converted. Amen well. to that. And happy anniversary and have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks, everybody. There's a pale horse coming And I'm gonna ride it I'll rise in the morning my fate decided I'm a dead man walking I'm a dead man walking In St. James Parish I was born and christened Now I've got my story Mr. Ain't no need for you Dead man talking Once I had a job I had a good But between our dreams and actions Lies this world In the deep forest Their blood and tears rushed over all I could feel was the drugs and the shotgun And my fear up inside of me Like a dead man talking Neath the summer sky my eyes went black Sister, I won't ask for forgiveness my sins are all I have. The clouds above my prison move slowly across the sky. There's a new day coming, and my dreams are full tonight. 